good morning. My name is Tamsin. My pronouns are she and her. And it's really lovely to see you all and to be in the same room together today. So we have just been um, looking at uh, Jesus as a wisdom tradition um, over the last um, little while. Um, And I just thought today we might just start with just a moment of quiet. Um, I don't know about you, but often by the time sort of we get here, there's a lot of my own mind and my own uh, to-do list, all these things that circle in my mind pretty much constantly. Um, And I really appreciate the time together that we can just pause our weeks um, and be with one another. So we might just take a moment of silence. Um, And if you need something in the silence beyond just the wonderful inner world of your mind, which may be a lovely place or may be a chaotic place, um, we might focus our silence today on um, the kind of the gift of being in a room with others right now, that there are people around you. um, Some, if you're brand new, you may not know. um, But if you're familiar with this community, there are people in this room who you have already journeyed with um, being alongside, know a tiny portion of their life. Um, So our silence today is not just you and your own inner world. Um, Our silence today is us sharing space together and that that is sometimes a gift um, that we carry in our weekly rituals. So I'll, and then I'll pray afterwards. Loving God, thank you for the sounds in this room of the the rough and tumble, running, the making of coffee, um, the people beside us. Um, thank you that we get to share space together as we attempt, explore and encounter your story and who you are again and again. Amen. Amen. Um, so we have been looking about story and the stories of our world around us that um, imbue and uh, layer everything that we do um, and looking to Jesus as perhaps another story that the kind of there's a reason that we came, we come here to a church, you know, uh, that we, we might not always feel comfortable with the term Christian, but at the heart of a community like this is the story of Jesus and we wrestle and love and engage and participate and and do all sorts of things around that story that's in our midst. We also participate in all sorts of practices and rituals and have symbols um, in our midst. And these are ways that can help us hold that story central and explore it and re-engage with it. Um, uh, I'm sure over the next little while, Shane will continue to talk about what are those narratives that are around us that... um, they're often very dehumanising, um, that live in the culture of power and coercive control and, and just the pressure to be, to be something on your own and to have it together and to have um, all of your life functioning as an autonomous individual. There is a lot of pressure that we just all should be able to do this on our own. Um, and we come together around a story that sort of says, no, that's... That is flawed story that um, we don't, we can't actually function as a human being in complete isolation. Um, 
and that we miss the gift of um, what's that word where you cross those scientists that are, like you cross a surface, not permeate, so that real crossing of um, two surfaces. What's that kind of osmosis? There's like there's a gift in an actual real connection with another person and them being able to gift of themselves to you and you being able to gift of them. I had the weirdest urge today in worship, which is so strange. (laughs) I really had the urge to hold someone's hand. Weird, huh? (laughs) I've never had that urge in worship before. And I'm just thinking about why why did I want to do that? Jessica, I didn't hold your hand. Now now Martin's here. So he can hold your hand for you. But I think what it is is this real desire to connect um, in a very, very real way with other people um, who are not in my week um, and who have a have something and I that recognition of I, I am not an autonomous person. I am someone in need of, of touch, of connection, of other people, of their life. Um, I didn't <laughs> would have been a bit weird, Jessica. So I, I'm sure just the, the the quiet Martin is here, as I said. What was that? She was <laughs> beautiful. Next time we can just do a hand holding worship session. Um, <coughs> so yeah, so these sort of formations around us kind of help us keep the story in our midst. Um, I like the idea of Jesus as a wisdom tradition, um, kind of around there's a a beautiful contemplative writer and thinker called Cynthia Bergeau, and she she talks about um, Jesus as a wisdom tradition and that wisdom traditions are all about transformation, that at the heart of them is not someone controlling something, but is some sort of transformation towards something. And that Jesus as a wisdom teacher seems to care deeply about the transformation of our inner person and the transformation about systems of coercive power in the world. Um, and it kind of goes, well, what are we being transformed? You know, if Jesus is all about transformation, like what are we being transformed into from what into what? And she says... Um, It's the whole human being and being in the world. Sometimes it's from animal instincts and egocentricity into love and compassion, from judgment and dualistic worldview into non-dual acceptingness. Um, It's it's about this kind of permeance or this flow between one another. Um, And ritual is one way that helps us beyond just ideas and we're often very good at ideas in this community that that us sort of forming our minds is something that we we have done and it's a safer place when we've had all sorts of experiences with church sometimes forming our thoughts about God can be a safe kind of approach or a starting point um but rituals are things that move us beyond our mind and help us find another story in a bit more of an embodied way um, and Easter is loaded with Christian ritual. I don't know how Christian Easter, your world around you, is right now. Um, maybe not at all. But I live in the lovely hub of near Oakley. And Oakley is Greek Orthodox Centre. And um, I drive past a Greek Orthodox church about four or five times a week at the moment. And at the, there are people coming and going all the time right now. Um, I asked my mother-in-law, who's Greek, why is there people coming? And she said, "There's at the moment, there's now three services every day, especially this week. And people go to three services every day um, because they're, that is part of the, the Greek Orthodox tradition is to have this ritual around the Jesus story. <clears throat> um, and I just thought, I was wondering, 
for you an Easter and ritual of these practices around the story of Jesus. Did you have some Easter rituals from your churchy backgrounds or beyond that, if that's not your background, um, that kind of were meaningful or have stuck out in your memory as being significant to being around another story around Easter time, maybe at your tables or with a table next to you. Um, just share, was there an Easter tradition that you still hold dear to your formation around the story of Jesus around Easter? I'll just give you a minute or two to chat amongst yourselves about any tradition. Would anyone like to share from your tables of a an Easter practice or a ritual, something that you did around Easter that has been meaningful. Just eyes adverted. Anyone? Oh, hey, John. Uh, yeah, we always had a camp, Easter camps, and um, you'd go away with a lot of other young people and just have a really awesome time. Like, it was just a totally different out of your surroundings um, I think we did a few things with palms and stuff like that, but and we obviously had some services, but it was just a meaningful way to get away and do st stuff, and also do wheelies in cars and other things. But but, but yeah, camps. Yeah, quite similar actually. I grew up in a uniting church, and so we had a Easter camp that was a lot of uniting church youth from around Newcastle where I grew up. Uh, I went to that probably year seven and eight. I don't know why it stopped apart from just dwindling generation of people that age in the Uniting Church, unfortunately. But it was a nice, not culty um, Easter camp, yeah, with lots of activities and a couple of services. It was, yeah. Growing up in a non-Christian family but had some growing up with grandparents, um, but they still wanted to hold Christmas and Easter, some values well. Um, so Good Friday, I, I don't know if some people choose to eat meat or only fish, but we would hold a fisher queue and we'd go to a local park and we'd have a barbecue, but we're just cooking up fish. And so we'd go to the fish and chip shop, just get chips, but then we'd have a big fisher queue. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's wonderful, yeah. My background was Easter camps as well. So I did about 10 years from when I was 13 to 23. And um, 10 years in a row. And I was always at the beach in New Zealand. And part of the ritual was getting up early and watching the sunrise up over the water on Sunday morning. And we would just huddle in our sleeping bags. And it was the most reflective, hopeful, beautiful time. So I think I might do that again this year. <laughs> Anyone else? Oh, um, my previous church, we did a Stations of the Cross kind of exhibit thing. So uh, people within the church and surrounds made artworks for the different parts of the Easter story and um, sort of set up the hall to be a little maze you could walk through for that. And it became quite elaborate. We had, like, we'd sort of hold it open for the week or two before Easter and people would wander through and... When I think about the amount of work involved, it was significant. <laughs> but, it was, but it was quite meaningful. There was some really beautiful reflective art created for that. 
Yeah, we, um, I don't know, I grew up around the Seventh-day Adventist school in Ngunnawadding and they had this Easter sh- thing, the ho- this huge campground that they had these state... They spent thousands and thousands of dollars putting on the stations, but in person. And you would have, you would walk around this huge campground and go and visit the stations. And there would be actors. I think there was about a hundred people that were involved. Actors, you know, from the church, local church, um, and from my school. And you would walk through them. Um, and I remember it being quite move. I must have been quite little, but I just remember it being quite sad. You know, just as I walked through and got to the real people enacting this whole drama, not just one part of the drama, the whole thing was acted out. Um, yeah, I remember it being quite quite a sad event. Anybody else? Did anyone else go to that east of that Nunna Wadding? The road to Bethlehem. Anyone else? Yeah, yeah. It was a big deal. They sp- our whole school had to prepare for that. I think at once I was an angel somewhere in there, <laughs> obviously. Um, so there's something I'm not sure if it's still done now, but... Um, growing up, they used to do what's called the Three Pigs race, which was a combination sailing and running race for people that just have no idea how to not exercise constantly. Uh, so they basically they literally sail from uh, Launceston in Tasmania up to Flinders Island, run over them and drop off two people who would run over a mountain. They'd come back and sail down the east coast and drop off two runners who would run over another two and a half mountains and then they'd sail down to Hobart and then run up Mount Wellington. And so, I I never did the race, obviously, Um, but my dad and I used to be marshals, so we would sit up on top of Mount Freycinet on the east coast of Tasmania where you can't actually camp, but because we were marshals for the race, you know, they they let us know there's a tiny little spot around behind where you can actually pitch a tent. And so, we would sit up on top of Mount Freycinet for three days over Easter and... Growing up, uh, like some of the time I used to feel a little bit bad that I was always away over, you know, Easter and, you know, like not going to church and everything else. And then later on I started realising that, well, you know, sitting up here and just, you know, watching, you know, the, the eagles just play around in the currents and watching, you know, the sunrise and the sunset. And, and because you're, you're marshalling a race, you might be up at any hour of the day or night. So you'd see sunrises and sunsets because Easter is always timed around the cycles of the moon, there's always a full moon. So some nights you'd be sitting there at, you know, two o'clock in the morning with this glorious silvery moon and, like, you can see everything with, like, clear shadows in the middle of the night and and no no light pollution from anywhere. And it's just such a, a, a gloriously wild and beautiful part of the world and just, like, yeah, just sitting up there, like, shivering in the cold at 2 a.m., waiting for some runners to come up the mountain in, you know, in, in on a beautiful clear night... Um, yeah, I, it's something that I really look back on now and go, yeah, that was a, a really wonderful tradition that I that I really that I miss now that I I don't I don't have it and um, yeah, that was just my Easter for for probably ten years. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's epic. Yeah, I like the Easter traditions that hold on to some sort of nature. That sounds lovely. It kind of got me thinking about sort of what. Rituals, well, and and rituals are not always life-giving. You know, there's lots of places where rituals can replace something or can, you know, um, exclude people and can lose meaning and become become sort of a little bit lifeless. There's all sorts of things that rituals. So we're not going to talk about rituals that perhaps are a bit more meaningless or we struggle with. Um, but this kind of idea that a ritual is a sequence of activities involving gestures, words, actions or objects, and it's often performed to a set sequence around a shared idea. Um, there's sort of this sequence of things that happen that is sort of knowable 
And like what makes a, a ritual meaningful? Um, and perhaps if we think about the rituals that you've already encountered, trapped you, we've already had some rituals in the service. <laughs> um, but like what, what is it about these rituals around the story of Jesus? One is that they are inclusive, that we're not, there's not um, exclusion or limits to who participates. Um, and often a ritual uh, gives you something to do with your body. Um, I'm still a bit of a fan of the action song, which I'll have to talk to Josh about bringing in some actions to our singing. Um, but I think in part that's me craving getting out of my head, which is a really loud place to be in. Um, and so f- giving my body something to kind of drop out of my mind and it's, and it's chaos. Um, but often a ritual that we do something, it, it moves into, spa- into body space. Um, and they offer a container for a deeper emotional or spiritual experience. So a ritual can't dictate to you what you're going to feel. It just is, and your feeling is something that you bring to that. There's times in worship where I, I feel nothing. Sorry, Josh, again. But, uh, <laughs> but there are also times in worship where I feel incredible connection to, to sometimes a deeper feeling in myself or to something of the divine in some way, um, but the, the ritual that I've, we come back each week to this same act of doing it and my encounter and experience of it is free to change and move as I practice it again and again. Um, rituals are ways of, of keeping story um, and memory alive um, and that's where we come to, I guess, at the Christian ritual around Easter is we're really trying hard to keep the story of Jesus in our midst. Um, and not just a bit of it. Um, the Greek Orthodox Church, I won't talk all about the Greek Orthodox Church, but, but there's this kind of the importance of go through the whole thing. Don't just do a little part of it. Like Encounter the whole thing because the Jesus story is quite mysterious and there are many parts to it and it's nuanced and there's movement. Um, and so the rituals across this period are quite helpful in keeping a fuller story alive. Um, they're quite relieving sometimes. It's just you know what's coming and you, you don't have to decide on this next thing. That perhaps connects a little bit to the sort of the other stories that dominate our lives that Shane will keep, keep up in the next few months of just there's so much pressure on us to be the curators of our own being and to always be making it work and trying to succeed, um, that, that sort of constant pressure on you as an individual. A ritual just allows a bit of a relief from that. You know, we come into a shared thing that we do and you didn't have to reinvent it today. I didn't ask you, could you come up with your own ritual for the group today? I didn't, uh, we kind of have a shared relief. Okay, I don't have to be all on this. I can kind of have a tiny relief from having to, to be that curator of everything. Um, I, I put some of these, sorry, up on the board, up on the board, up on the screen. Um, oh. Just going to flash at me, I think. One, two. Um, they're somewhat predictable. We sort of know how the week might look. Um, Rituals strengthen our spiritual muscle that we're innately born with. There's this wonderful psychologist called Lisa Miller, and she um, she just she often refers, perhaps not to our Christian spirituality, but for her, but she's fascinated by spirituality. is um, is just decided is innate within us that we are born with 
a sense of connecting to the divine of whatever, however you view that, um, and that our environment help build that muscle and keep it going. You know, that's why camps are sort of like you building this muscle, and people often have experiences. They're like, I don't know if you've ever had a, a moment at a camp or something, but it's just kind of I'm practicing the muscle of my own spirituality, um, and a week can happen for all of us. Um, that is full of our life, and you think, oh, where is spirituality? Where, where did, did I think of Jesus this week, or did I pray? You know, there's, who knows? But the kind of a ritual just allows you to practice that muscle of spirituality, of just connecting with spirit and something um, else as well. <coughs> was there anything else that you might have wanted to add to this little brainstorm that I was thinking through about kind of meaningful rituals? Um, not all rituals hold all of these things, but yeah, Annika. Um, making people feel connected across time, like there's something beautiful about. Um, we were talking about the Reformed Church or Church liturgy of you know saying He is risen or you know Christ is risen and you say risen indeed and you sort of echo here my Omar's voice saying that and my ancestors' voice is saying that and um, there's something beautifully flattening of time in ritual. Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, it takes away that pressure to have to be unique. This is kind of connecting us to stuff that's 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 gone. Um, and rich, like we're going to read a scripture, which is part of um, the church lectionary of just many churches this morning are um, reading a similar scripture, um, which is uh, a ritual in itself, church-wide. Of we read similar scriptures, we journey through similar parts of the Christ story across different church environments. Um, and as Annika said before, today's Palm Sunday. Did anyone have any Palm Sunday encounter? We, I think we had, uh, uh, this is my makeshift. <laughs> Don't judge me, I'm not, actually not being a palm leaf. Did anyone get these little palm crosses at their church growing up? <laughs> that's what we, we used to get, these little palm crosses. Um, so that's a ritual around this scripture um, that in reading this scripture and keeping this story alive, we had um, something that I think that we would sh- we would make in Sunday school and um, and then give out to the church as the ritual in one of the churches I was growing up in, which would be cu- we, we have only two haven't been able to a task that enslave these three children to to craft for this group, put them at the table and make them work to to help this ritual unfold in our midst. Um, but I guess as we're talking about ritual, it does touch on something. Um, Often our rituals can sometimes or exclude children, you know, and a beautiful ritual helps participate, you know, a child participate in a ritual, and that's what often they remember. Um, we've, I think it was, we talked about a few weeks ago of um, those rituals of our, our childhood that form our faith and our story and our muscle um, are really important um, to include um, everyone. Anyway, but I don't know if that's was part of your tradition. So I'm going to get the person who looked the most like Jesus walking in the room today to read our scripture today. <laughs> can you? Who can guess who that is? <laughs> I know the hair is back, but I, I promise it was even, even more wonderful walking in 
triumphantly at that to help our practice of scripture reading today. Thanks, Ben. Oh, do you want the microphone? That just for the benefit of the podcast. Thank you. The next, the next day, this huge crowd that had arrived for the feast heard that Jesus was entering Jerusalem. They broke off palm branches and went out to meet him, and they cheered, "Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in God's name! Yes, the King of Israel." Jesus got on a young donkey and rode it, just as the scripture has it. No fear, daughter Zion. See how your king comes, riding a donkey's colt. The disciples didn't notice the fulfillment of many scriptures at the time. But after Jesus was glorified, they remembered that what was written about him matched what, has, what was done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, was there giving eyewitness accounts. It was because they had spread the word of the latest God sign that the crowd swelled to a welcoming parade. The Pharisees took one look and threw up their hands. It's out of control. The world's in a stampede after him. This is a fascinating, I think, a really interesting and kind of challenging scripture for us Especially in our um, our context here is that, you know, we don't just go on to hear, just going on to sing Hosanna. Let's go and let's get Josh up and we can sing the Hosanna song um, about lifting up this kind of memory of Jesus and as the king image um, and this triumphal entry, um, we sometimes feel kind of uncomfortable just elevating kingly imagery here um, and even just placing Jesus into this spotlight. Um, I say that fearing the wrath of God because I (laughs) I hope that doesn't uh, shock you. Um, But the imagery in this story um, is is something that I was... um, grew up with it as a very simple interpretation of this scripture that, um, that we too are to hold Jesus up and sing Hosanna, Hosanna, kind of... And that, that was kind of the, f- the fullness of the gift of this story and our ritual was to, to sit around that image. Um, but um, I think it was, was it last year, Shane, or the year before? Like Shane did a really interesting sort of, this is such a f- political image that Jesus is, um, is fulfilling but then topsy-turvying um, this image of an expected king um, <clears throat> so the people in the crowd would have expected, um, they knew the story of, from Zechariah who had said um, that people would recognise their saviour because he would come humble and riding on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. So this image has been taught to people. They know this idea. Um, and they would have had that image in mind. And they were under rule, Roman rule, and they had wanted a king to rescue them just like King David. Um, And strangely, sort of Jesus embodies this kingly moment. Um, It's really really dissonant to other images, but for a moment he sort of sits in the role of what the people want. Um, And then later on he moves back into sort of wisdom teacher again with a really long series of farewell discourses after this period, especially in John, of 
where he teaches things in a much more mystical way and with the goal of transforming. But in this moment, in this story that we hold ritual around, um, the people really get the king image um, and they respond by singing Hosanna, which means fix things for us, get rid of these occupying Romans, make us like the proper kingdom of proud and happy people we once were. So they greeted him like they would have greeted King David with their singing, this reeds flapping. Um, and, but we see from the gift of all these rituals of Jesus' story, not just one, um, but that Jesus doesn't stay on that donkey for very long. Um, and uh, we see that he comes not to control the world and take over the city of Jerusalem, um, but you know, we know the story that's to come and that it's a complex story of humiliation um, and of death and of, of somehow conquering death and that this message is bigger than that. Um, and this wonderful uh, theologian called Dr Martha Rowlett um, summarises it saying, um, uh, Zechariah foretold, the Messiah comes not to control the world to, but to care for it. Um, that this expectation of Hosanna, Hosanna, come and come and save us, come and be our king. Um, Jesus, for a moment, says, "Look at me," and then turns that on its head and says, "What I'm about to do is a much more difficult path, and it's it's kind of takes the path of wisdom to really fully grasp the journey of Christ, um, and that invites us to care for the world rather than to conquer it." Um, so I um yeah we we aren't going to wave palm leaves today um, because that's a complex for our church here this is a complex story so we haven't got palm leaves as part of our tradition or our shared ritual of just hosanna hosanna um, come and rescue us um, we we are wrestling with that here of what are the rituals and the stories of Christ that mean something to us um, and. Come back for next year and we'll see if what, what rituals we put into place um, around this story. Uh, I, I can't tell you what they would be. Um, but maybe we can sing. Like, I find it interesting that like, when we had this, this symbol as in our ritual practice growing up, it's not just a reed leaf that, or a palm leaf that we could flap. It's in the shape of a cross. So already the symbolism is mixed. It's this triumphal imagery of like a flag, if you think of a triumphal flag, in the shape of humili- like a, a, a weapon of death, you know. Um, that's already a very complex image. Um, and, yeah, so that's it's just the, the beauty of our Christianity. Um, so we, I'm not going to talk too much longer, but I guess we wanted to just draw our attention today to the rituals that we feel are important to us as a community, um, the rituals that we hope to develop together, um, and the rituals we hope to get our younger people and our co-creators meeting last week, we just spoke about how are our kids involved and share the story and hold on to ritual and be a part of it and that how and we kind of all need each other to do that exploring the story of Jesus is 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 complex it's um ritual helps us navigate that together um and revisit it together it's a lot to ask on any individual um and sometimes we'll talk a bit more in the series about practices which maybe are a bit more of those personal things that we put into place to to make sense and connect with the divine and do all sorts of things through our practices. But our rituals are ways that we can 
offer a little bit of relief to each other in that we sh- we we practice the story of Jesus in our midst. We have a community lunch today, which is practicing this really important idea that we we feel like eating together is important, gifting each other food, honouring each other's bodies in that way, you know, holding hands. (laughs) I won't do it. Um, But, you know, being embodied people together who need food and who enjoy food is important. Um, Another another beautiful ritual in our midst is communion, um, which we will also um, partake in today. What was that? Say something about this text. Yeah, that's that's all right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a wonderful text. So, just thank you. I'll be quick. Just on that bit about the look at me or Jesus embodying the here comes the king. Something that I read that really resonated with me is the the idea that it was on a donkey in the first place. Like even back with Mary, that they communicated that like that's a pack animal. You don't kings don't ride donkeys. They ride big glorious horses. So even like in their mind then. And the fact that the disciples didn't even realise that that was part of the scripture that he was fulfilling suggests to me that, like, even that here comes the king, like, he already was subverting them with how humble that that was, sitting on the donkey. And, um, yeah, that stands out to me a lot in that, that even when he was coming as accepting that title, he was still still having a little dig on it, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, it's full of little digs, and that that kind of will link back to this Jesus is yeah a trouble a tr- complex a troublemaker like of not fulfilling things but slightly fulfilling some things, um, and the donkeys yeah it's a wonderful animal to kind of do a bit more. We need a, a bit more time to go into that, but um, yeah, the imagery and the symbolism is wonderful um, because it has does hold different angles to it. Um, You're more than welcome to go and read this text again, if you like, throughout the week. Um, We are going to come into a time of one of our rituals that we hold dear, which is communion, um, which is, again, links us back as a collective together to the story of Jesus in our midst. We may not always understand it. We may not always feel it. um, But we practice it again and again to keep it somewhere in our mind and body and our being and our shared story. Um, You're more than welcome to come and just stand in a circle without participating in it Um, or you're welcome to stand, stay seated or you're welcome to come and grab um, uh, some grape juice and a cracker. Um, We sometimes don't do communion on community lunch day because we feel like the food is our shared breaking of bread together. Um, But today we get both. How lucky are we? We get both cracker and... Donna's wonderful goodness of whatever Donna has baked today, which I appreciate. Um, So let's come together in a circle if you feel comfortable um, in a large space. This is a ritual that we have formed in our midst as being a a really inclusive way of taking communion together. So please, come up. Um, I'll just read this benediction and, um, and then we'll eat and drink together. Jesus has not come to control the world, but to care for it. May the story of Jesus come to life in our midst. May our rituals hold us in care and love. May we find care in the presence of one another. Amen. Let's eat and drink of the body and blood of Jesus.